Hey, y'all. I'm Erin Haynes, the host of The Amendment, a brand new weekly podcast on gender, politics, and power, brought to you by the 19th News and Wonder Media Network. You've probably heard the news that this election year, our democracy is at stake. On The Amendment, I'm breaking down what that actually means, specifically for the marginalized folks who depend on our democracy the most. This is a show that dives past the headlines and gets clear on the unfinished work of our democracy. Listen to The Amendment now, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Growth League. I am Diana Kander, a Midwestern mom of two and keynote speaker. And like you, I feel the call to grow. To get us inspired for the week, every Monday, I seek out the most remarkable women leaders and uncover their rule for growth. This week's rule from Lexi Bahanan is prioritize your sleep to fuel professional growth. This episode is brought to you by Influence & Co. To find out how Influence & Co. can help you create relevant content, get more leads, improve your website's SEO, and drive exposure for your brand, go to influenceandco.com slash growth. Today's guest is Lexi Bahanan. Lexi is an executive vice president at Yext, a publicly traded company with more than 1,200 employees and a market cap of over $2 billion. She manages hundreds of employees around the world and went from being an account manager to executive vice president in just six years. Prior to Yext, she was a technology consultant at IBM and is currently training for her fifth Ironman. And a fun fact about Lexi is that she bought her grandmother's house and currently lives in it. Now, I wanted to interview Lexi because we have a mutual friend who works at a sleep science company that Lexi actually hired to see if improving the sleep of her team could also improve their sales performance. So we had a really interesting conversation on that. And she also shares how she's handled tense interactions, both with internal folks and external customers. And at the end of the conversation, Lexi shares a super interesting interview technique that her company uses to test applicants for grit. It almost sounds like something researchers would do to test for this valuable trait. So you have to hear what they do and think about how you would respond. Here is my conversation with Lexi Bohanan. Lexi, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I want to dive right in. Lexi, what do you think of as your greatest moment of professional growth? I think for me, the greatest moment of professional growth to date was the realization that my impact as a leader and a manager of people would be greater than individual performance. I think it took me a little while to get there of the pride and ownership of those accounts that I own, growing them, retaining them, and getting to the point where I said, there's a limit to how much I can do with my own set of accounts versus broadening that opportunity with a team. So for me so far, that was kind of a big turning point in my career and has brought me to where I am today. Is there anything that happened that led you to that? I have a few mentors, one in particular, um, who was a manager who said to me, you're at this point. And, and how do you think about that personal pride versus the pride of seeing others succeed? And what does that mean to you? And how can you both look within yourself and see if that's something that that you want versus it's okay if you don't it's okay to be an individual contributor and continue to 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 grow there so i think with that those conversations and that mentorship he helped me think about the pros and cons of both to then get me to the place where i was like this is this is what i want this is what i how i want to grow 
Well, one of the pieces of advice that you would share with young people in your organization, you said, is understand leapfrogs and ladders. Can you tell me what that means? I, I realize that there are times in your career that you are climbing a corporate ladder. For me, that was IBM. The choice to start in a consulting role right out of school. I had a lot to learn about technology and even in my first promotion, I had to go present this 10 page thesis, if you will, of justification why I, I should get promoted. And it went to a board and it was on a bell curve and it was two year minimum limit. And that was an opportunity for me for those ladders. And, and I needed the skills. I needed those years and that structure to gain skills to then put me in a position to say, okay, I have, I have some skills. I have an idea of the things I'm good at, the things that I like, where I want to lean in. How do I then use that as an opportunity after around three and a half, four years there to find a, a leapfrog opportunity to jump outside of that corporate ladder and find an opportunity to accelerate my growth without staying in that two year, two year, two year rung. And I've, I've found many of those opportunities at Yex as we have grown with, with change, there's always opportunity. And so how can you look outside the limits of your current role and the structure that exists to see where there are opportunities to create something new or to take two things that exist simultaneously in parallel and bring them together to create something new that would create explosive growth for you personally in a career. So that's how I think about it. And I think there's times where we need to gain those skills. And, and that isn't just at the beginning of your career. It's at many points throughout. And how do you balance between where you need them and where the structure might be helpful and where you can jump out and leapfrog? I love the phrase with change comes opportunity. Change is sometimes hard. A lot of times it's hard for people because it, it's not comfortable and we hold on to the things that are comfortable. And when you open your eyes up to what that change could be, to me, it's an incredible opportunity for personal growth because it gives you the chance to work on something different and something new. If we're comfortable, we're not growing. And so whenever there's a change going on in the organization, are you thinking, is this a time for me to make a leap? Is there a new position that I could have within this change? Like, how do you think about it? For me personally, over the last couple of years, it's been exactly that. I started as an account manager and we had a single product. And based on my experience from IBM, I had a unique perspective on integration and how our customers were using data, integrating into the platform. And so over time, I got in deeper with them, understood how they were using the product and thought, hmm, there's some better ways to optimize some of these connections. And so the the opportunity for a leapfrog came when I said, hey, wait, we all need some more skills on APIs and integration and connections. Maybe we should have a team that's dedicated to that, that helps our account managers to be more focused on the customer and, and doesn't expect them to have this full skill set of tech skills as well as customer skills, et cetera. So for me, that first turning point was an opportunity to create a new organization where the impact of that work would be instrumental. And it wasn't something we could expect the team, the existing team to do. Whereas at other points in time, change meant just expanding and creating new functions within a team. So so similarly, as our business cases and value cases got more complex over the years, bigger customer expectations, more complicated and bigger deal sizes, we needed some people who could help us focus on value. And so that was an opportunity to coach a woman on my team to say, hey, I have a unique skill set. I think I could have a bigger impact on the team overall to be our value expert rather than just doing this for my customers within my book of business. 
Lexi, that seems like an amazing approach. And let me partner that with what I know about you before you even entered the professional world that you were captain of your collegiate soccer team. It seems like you've had it put together for so long. So just to give people a full 360 picture, has it ever not gone according to plan in your professional career? It has. It has. It started off with I studied philosophy and sociology in college, and I I had this mantra there that I wanted to take classes that I enjoyed because we were paying for it. My parents, myself, it, it was being paid for. And so I didn't want to just subscribe to becoming an econ major or a business major because that would put me in the best position to get a job. So my plan, I had no plan at the start. I really didn't fully know what that meant. I knew I didn't want to be a social scientist or a therapist, but consulting seemed like a really good place for me to start. But what that meant, where I would go from there was so uncertain. And I think there are a few pivot points in my IBM career with mentors and colleagues that they were like these tech light bulb moments where someone sat down and explained to me, the basics of an application and a database and how those things work together and what that meant and how the internet worked. And it was like, bing, bing, bing. And so that approach put me in a place to say, I want to be able to educate people on how these things work and break them down to the most simple concepts. Because historically for me, technology was this big cloud of uncertainty and confusion. And it's, it, it is more approachable and it's in our everyday lives. And so I had a friend that was from high school who was at Yext, still is at Yext and was like, Hey, you should consider. And so it felt like a really big leap of faith at the time. We had close to, I think, 200 employees at that point in time. And from IBM, that was a crazy change. And any missteps either on your own or, you know, interacting with somebody who wasn't your biggest fan. There's two things that stick out. One was with a customer and one was with uh, my manager, we were not getting along. It was not going to work out. And and I think I was so emotionally attached to the fact that I felt this person was negatively impacting the trajectory of my career by holding me back. And I was way too invested emotionally and got just wrapped up in the drama of it versus what ultimately happened was stepping aside, articulating these things clearly to those around me, and it all worked out. It worked out perfectly. But I think that that was a really good lesson in the drama and the emotion of a situation can sometimes cloud you from the simple solution that's in front of you. And then the second with a customer was they had gone bankrupt a few times, come in and out of bankruptcy, being bought in and out. And they had just crazy expectations that we never would have met. And I knew that from the beginning. And rather than being confident and courageous at the start by articulating, this is what you expect. This is what we know we can deliver. Here's the Delta. How do we address it? We tried to solution around it and do our best to meet those expectations when realistically it wouldn't have happened. And it all, again, worked out fine. However, it was a lot more pain along the way. And that lesson was communication and expectation setting up front. Are there mantras or things that you would say to somebody else going through something similar now? I don't know if I have a mantra. I would say giving yourself space and perspective, writing things down is something I've gotten better at, especially if you have a nagging problem, whether it's with a colleague, a manager, a client, having a good record of the history of that, because our mind does funky things. And sometimes we trick ourselves into thinking this has been 
a long problem and it's only been two weeks. And sometimes it's been going on for eight months and we don't want to admit that it is. And so a simple record diary to to give yourself that gut check of what's going on. I think that is a really good tip to handle and work through challenging situations. Hey there, I want to let you know about a new podcast that you've got to hear. It's called The Juggernaut Interviews Founders. Listening to business podcasts, you can see a common theme with a glossy version of startup success, kid genius with crazy technical chops who succeeds instantly and whose face quickly adorns every magazine cover. But with The Juggernaut Interviews Founders, you'll hear a totally different story. On this new podcast, Juggernaut founder Snigda Soar interviews South Asian entrepreneurs about the startups they've created and the cultural legacies that they're building along the way. The Juggernaut Interviews gives you a front row seat on tomorrow's businesses and the next decade's leaders. Because at the end of the day, it's not about how I built this, but how I'm building this. Listen to the Juggernaut Interviews founders wherever you get your podcasts and tell them I sent you. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I'm about to head out on a keynote speaking trip to San Francisco, and people often ask me how I stay so peppy, especially with the time change. And I will tell you, my secret is that I take two scoops of athletic greens throughout the day. With just one scoop, though, on a normal day of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your recovery, your focus, and aging all of the things. I start every single morning with a scoop of AG1. And like I said, when I'm traveling or I'm feeling a little bit under the weather, I just give myself that second scoop to know that I am protected. Now, tons of people are taking some kind of multivitamin, and it is important to choose one with high quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. Athletic Greens is the one thing with the best things. Athletic Greens uses the best of the best products based on the latest science with constant product iterations and third-party testing. And they're a climate-neutral certified company. In 2020, AG purchased carbon credits that support projects protecting old-growth rainforests. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially as we're still in the middle of cold and flu and COVID season. It is just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That is it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash growth. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash growth to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Now, I understand that you created a resolution around sleep for your team. I just want to know how that came about and what happened as a result. I've been into triathlon since college. I played soccer competitively my whole life. And after college, felt like there was a little bit of a, a void. And I'm certainly not the person that was self-motivated to go to the gym and have a regular routine goal setting and having someone say, okay, these are our goals. This is what we're working towards is more of my fitness uh, routine regime, if you will. So the Ironman, sleep tracking, like all those things amidst a really busy travel schedule were things I started to pay attention to a little bit more. And as the wearable fitness trackers, whether you wear a whoop or have an aura ring or a Fitbit and track your steps, that became something I, I really 
loved and loved the data. And it was a good reminder for me when I didn't want to admit that maybe I wasn't getting enough sleep. So I personally started looking into it and realized that at the time, a couple of years ago, my team and still is my team was on the road all the time in front of customers. And so juggling that busy travel schedule with personal health, self-care physically and mentally was something that was really important to me but I felt like this missing link was sleep and the hustle culture around staying up all night, getting things done is ever present. And I think sleep and having a sleep tracking mechanism for yourself is such a great way to step outside and say, wait a minute, did I really need to stay up at night watching that Netflix show that I thought was helping me unwind? Or did I really need to stay up to finish, you know, that slide deck that wasn't due or I wasn't presenting until a day later? Would I have been better off getting a little more sleep? And so we decided to make that benefit for reducing overall sleep debt and getting a bit more in tune with sleep cycles for the entire team was something we wanted to put front and center. And of course, at the end of the day, only if you want to opt in, but bringing it into the culture of the team to have the hustle culture around self-care rather than around working 24-7. And what happened? It worked. I think it worked incredibly well. I think each individual on the team realized that it's getting more in tune with their cycles of energy throughout the day and how sleep influences that. And so putting that front and center to talk about beyond just sleep and more focusing on energy and personal schedules and personal boundaries and being okay with saying, Hey guys, I have a block on my calendar right now. It's my, you know, dip in the day and I'm going to go out and take a walk was something we wanted to make much more approachable and common on the team rather than just having that be a, a strictly personal conversation you might have with your manager or friend. And when you say it worked, I mean, did it make people feel better or did it increase sales for your organization? I I would say both, because at the end of the day, I think that sense of control and feeling like you have a say in how you plan your day. Yes, of course, we're customer facing. There's customer constraints and obligations. But if we can be more comfortable and confident in saying what we need when we need it, we're going to be better employees no matter what, better teammates. And so I think that was more the focus of our measurement of success versus overall sales and productivity. But we saw a, a good increase in both. Now, is sleep something that you've been on the lookout for ever since you were a collegiate athlete? Like, have you always known it's important? No, no, no. I was one of those doubters. I was like, oh, I don't need a lot of sleep. And luckily for me, unlike so many other people, I didn't have that breakdown moment or I got really sick or anything like that. I was pointed out by my family that I was getting sick more frequently than the average human with a cold and these things, which obviously was because I was run down. But I think it was both things like fitness trackers and then relationships to think about like how can technology and tracking these things collectively change for everyone rather than having this be a personal thing that you just talk about with your friends or your family, bringing it into the workplace. I think for those that are comfortable and want to opt in, create so much accountability because we're together all day, every day. I'm curious, do you have any stories about people that had like big aha moments when this became a priority or like changes that came in their work as a result? So I, I was always the person, if we go back to my travel lifestyles, it's a little janky now with COVID, but on the road, most of the time, most days of the week and 
I, especially in the early days of training for triathlons and air and, and Ironmans was the person that was at a client dinner up late, then finishing some work and waking up first thing in the morning to do a big workout so I could fit them in. And therefore burning the candle every single end that I possibly could and finding every hour of the day to be efficient and get something done. So the first Ironman I did, I believe was in 2015. And I, I didn't have a time goal. I just wanted to finish. And then each one that's gone by, I I haven't had a time goal, but I wanted to do better than the one I did before. If I could, the courses are different generally. However, I wanted to do a little better time-wise than I had the one before. But if I look at the investment of time in training from 2015 to now, inverse to the focus on sleep and choosing to sleep that extra hour or two instead of waking up at 5.30 to work out, it's a big flip. Sleep to me is more important. Getting those eight hours for me or eight and a half-ish is more important than what the hour run or hour bike will do for my performance. And the evidence has been each race that I've done, I have gotten better by significant amounts over time with way less training. And so I think that that helped me realize that sleep, no matter how much I'm training, sleep has incredibly powerful impact on my performance, both athletically and then just cognitively at work. I'm curious about you personally, like you're now at an executive level, which is usually where the growing stops you know, where you stop making resolutions for skills that you want to improve. I'm just curious how you think about it. So a big skill gap for me, I believe, is more quantitative analysis, all things on running the business from the numbers side. And so I feel a lot of the strengths I have are on that human relationships, the the social science part of my education has a really big impact there. And I think for me, growth within my role now at the executive level, it's critically important for me to be able to supplement those qualitative observations and gut feels I have and the ability to build relationship with customers with more quantitative analysis, using systems, tools that we have, as well as the teams and the ops teams that we have to think about how we spot trends that are outside of just those observations from client conversations and relationships to get better and more efficient. I think that's a, that's an awesome goal for the year. Okay. Time for the speed round. What is your superpower habit, something that you do every morning that you think most people do not do? I wake up, get out of bed without snoozing, brush my teeth, make my bed all within the first like five minutes that I pop out of bed. I 100% agree. Most people don't do that. I I don't do that. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. What is your kryptonite habit? Something that might be holding you back? probably perfection, like desire for perfection and, and being more comfortable with something being done and done satisfactory versus over the top, like the best you've ever seen. I think that is something that holds me back and I lose time trying to get to that best you've ever seen level with everything I do and need to find a balance. What is a strongly held belief that you have that would make for a fun debate at a dinner party? Where you went to college and your degree has nothing to do with your career trajectory and outlook. And I think that's something as I've gotten deeper into management and leadership and identifying trends of the talent that performs well on teams versus not, 
breaking free from the stereotype or the historical (laughs) traps of we need people with this degree or we need people who have come from this school are crazy. And I feel like generally a lot of those things are changing, but we have over the last couple of years used a grit interview. So it's trying to tap into those those personality traits and the desire to and the capacity to learn versus what I've actually learned before now. Oh my gosh, what is the grit interview? It's a series of like really fun and funny and nonsensical in some cases questions that try to get at just that. Like what is your appetite, aptitude to work hard? What does hard work mean? And and most importantly for me, what comes out of those interviews is your desire, openness, and willingness to to learn and be taught. And in one of the team's interview processes, we do a final presentation where you're pitching the, the product. And for us, it has nothing to do with how well you pitch the product. It has to do with whether you opted in to do the optional dry run with someone on the team, and then how you incorporate the feedback that the person gave you in the dry run into your final presentation. Because even if your presentation is the worst one we saw, but you incorporated all the feedback to a T and you did it well and thoughtfully, that's way more important to us than your ability to do it well in the first place. First of all, how clever. Second of all, who would not take the optional? Right? So Practice. many people. So many. And then really? you also, so many. You weed out the ones who are just going through the motions to see if they can get a higher salary or, you know, they're not actually thoughtfully thinking about what it means to take that new job. And that's okay. Everyone does it in some cases, but we don't want to waste your time and we don't want to waste ours. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you think we have a rule for growth? That would probably be, you can't expect to grow if you don't take care of yourself. The personal health and and investment in your physical and mental well-being is an evolving journey. And I think we get stuck too often in the plan. It's like a New Year's resolution that you make for the year, and I'm going to do just that. But what happens if in six months something changes? It's okay to walk away from what that thing, that resolution was because of what's changed and just constantly being honest with yourself about what you need rather than saying, this is my goal and I'm sticking to it. And and I will feel bad about myself if I don't follow through and accomplish it because that's maybe not what you need anymore. So the, the self reflection is a critically important part of well-being and taking care of yourself. Awesome. Lexi, thank you so very much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. What an important lesson from Lexi. You know, my husband Jason and I have spent the last two years trying to experiment just like Lexi with our sleep and understanding just how much better we are at every single thing that we do when we prioritize this really important element of our functioning. I think so many people take it for granted and think that they're the kind of person that doesn't need as much sleep. And that's just because they're not used to feeling what it's like to get the proper amount of sleep. So I'm joined today to explore this topic a little bit further with a producer for the show, Adesua Agbanile. Adesua, welcome. Hello. Thank you for having me. How's your sleep? What did you think when you were listening to this episode? Listen, I am like a sleep evangelist. I know what it feels like to get eight hours of sleep every night. And now that I've experienced that, I cannot go back. So I am all about 
setting very strict boundaries around my sleep. All of my friends know, you know, after a certain time, like, I'm gone. I need to get to bed because if I don't get eight hours, it's no one is going to want to be around me the next day. It's going to be really bad. So one piece of terminology that we didn't talk about on the show that's very important is sleep hygiene. Now, just like we have other kinds of hygiene in our life, this is, you know, what we do to set ourselves up for a good night's sleep. So do you have any tips or tricks for for what you do to get to sleep on time? First, I put my phone on do not disturb. My phone automatically like goes into sleep mode at a certain point when I know I need to get to bed. And then the second thing I do is 30 minutes before bed, I always read instead of like looking at screens or anything. And I find that really helps me. I'm curious, do you have anything you do to maintain your sleep hygiene? I love getting the right amount of sleep, and I just realized that it takes me way longer to get to bed than I would like to admit. Like, it's a, just a long process for me, so I just, it's embarrassing. Started at 9.30 p.m. to be able to get to sleep at the time, like, between 10.30 and 11 that I actually want. I just need to get into the room at a much earlier time, but... This conversation makes me really curious about our listeners of Desua, and uh, I think I'm going to post in the Facebook group a question about what sleep hygiene tidbits people might have to offer, because I think we could all benefit from learning from one another. Yeah, I would love that. I would love to hear how people sleep themselves, how they maintain their sleep hygiene. Great. Thank you again to Influencing Co. for sponsoring this show. If you're having trouble scaling your content marketing efforts to see results, I highly recommend having a strategy call with Influencing Co. We just did my quarterly strategy call, and gosh, I'm so fired up for what the next quarter is going to bring. They are one of the only agencies that I found that it's going to be able to handle your on-site content needs and your PR efforts. And it is awesome to be able to consolidate those efforts and maximize your results. Just visit influenceandco.com slash growth to learn more. And if you mention me or the Growth League during your first call with them, you get $500 off your first month. That's it for this week's episode of the Growth League. Please make sure that you're subscribed to get all the future episodes and leave us a review with how you're liking the show. I am Diana Kander wishing you an amazing growth-filled week. The Growth League is a Wonder Media Network production. It's produced by Edie Allard, Adesua Agbanile, and Taylor Williamson. Our executive producer is Jenny Kaplan, and our editor is Emily Rudder.